Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, Brett. How are you? Starting with a laugh today. Yeah. How are they you should all, we shouldn't everything start with a laugh. Well, maybe not everything. Maybe not everything. If you're giving yeah. a speech at a funeral, it's probably not a good idea to start with wow. a laugh. Wow. All right. Well, it is Monday. Yeah. So we're starting <clears throat> off with a bang. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Uh, we are joined by a very special guest today, Krista Gurka. Her reputation speaks for itself. She has over two decades of experience as a physical therapist, a Pilates practitioner training clients of all ages and fitness levels. I, at my advanced age, was also a client and have been for a long time. She's the founder and CEO of Miami's Pilates in the Grove, which serves South Florida, believes in offering her clients personal attention with expert and well-rounded instruction. Krista received her master's degree in physical therapy in 1999. The, the 1900s. Age, sorry, the 1900s, <laughs> yes. Over the next two decades, she would develop her skills into being one of the most sought-after practitioners in Miami, boasting clientele that includes professional athletes. Like yourself. Present company. Right, there you exactly, go. exactly. In 2019, Krista expanded her business reach to include mentoring for female small business owners in the boutique health, fitness, and wellness industry. She offers personalized group coaching programs and services to support other female entrepreneurs in the fitness and wellness industry to build sustainable and profitable independent businesses. Outside of the studio, Krista donates her time and talent to a number of nonprofit groups, including being a board member of the Barnyard Community Center. And she loves spending time with her two boys and her husband. In 2021, Krista was a panelist at our third annual Business Advantage Forum. I actually believe she was, she's a two-time panelist, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. So that's, I mean, that should have gone first in yeah, her achievements, true. her lifetime achievements. Right. Welcome, Krista. And you can listen to that third annual panel on this podcast. Well, not today's podcast. Not, right? this, not this. Not this episode, but episode. This, the, that recording is available as another episode. Fair enough. Welcome, Krista. Welcome, Krista. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me here. It's always interesting listening to someone read your bio. Isn't it, though? It very much yeah, it was is interesting. Yeah, fun watching you squirm. I, like, I try to have Jeff do it every Wednesday and Friday just to make me feel better about myself. There you go. So, so I just read his bio to him. Just, to me. Just, he sits just there with his, his eyes. Yeah, he yeah. sits there. He closes his yeah, eyes. It's nice. It's like a little yeah. meditation for him. I love it's, it. It's, it's like a bedtime story when you read to your <laughs> child, you know. I've tried to get Lauren to do that, but I somehow I don't think that hasn't hasn't happened yet. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) hasn't happened yet. So, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Will you tell us a little bit about how you got into the Pilates and physical therapy space? Like, what led you to that? Sure. So, I think my story is very organic in nature. I never had entrepreneurship modeled for me growing up. I didn't think that was available to me. I thought people that owned businesses. Mm Thought, no offense, like w- old white men in suits and ties, although neither of you that are in was a suit the and tie. Model. That yes. was, yeah. <laughs> sure. So I thought that that's what it was. And that just wasn't what I thought was going to happen. So I was working as a clinical director in a physical therapy studio in a clinic on Miami Beach. And we were a Pilates-based practice. And when people were done with therapy, they were had great results and they loved the movement. And so they always were asking, how can I do more of this? How can I do more Pilates? And at the time, there wasn't a whole lot around. So we were just sending people to studios around Miami Beach because private one-on-one is pricey, right? So I thought, this just seems so silly. We have such built-in clientele. Why are we sending them out when we have this expertise and they really want to stay with us? And so my 
boss at the time said, all right, why don't you open up a studio? I was like, what? Right. <laughs> I don't know what that means. So he went in with myself, two patients from that clinic, and we opened like a, I think it's no bigger than this room. Literally, it was like 200 square feet across the street from the studio. And when I tell you I had no idea anything about business, like right. I literally didn't. I had to Google what brick and mortar meant. I didn't <laughs> understand what that meant. So I was Googling it. And a, actually a good friend of ours, Mary Gusson, who's also an attorney at the time said, do you have an operating agreement? I said, well, what's an operating agreement? <laughs> and she said, you should have a contract with your partners. So uh, everything's Mary's fine. very smart. She's very smart, very smart. because fast forward, yeah. the partnership dissolved. Yeah. And had I not had that operating agreement in mm-hmm. place, and I think you referred me to my attorney at the yeah, time. So- it's like a divorce, and if I had not had that operating agreement in place, it would have not gone as well as it did. Right. So, And by saying by well, basically, I mean, you guys are both attorneys. A partnership dissolution is basically like somebody always feels like they're getting effed right. up, right? And you just basically, it's <clears throat> not, you, you have to give up being right. And that's what he said to me. He's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be done? Because <laughs> right. he's like, the yeah. only person that's going to win if you want to be right is myself as the attorney, and you're— I don't want to do that to you. Well, that was good advice. Too. So you got two <laughs> levels of good advice there. One yeah. is doing the operating agreement, mm-hmm. which we have pitched on this podcast all the time. And we pitch to clients all the time, right? Go in planning for the rainy day on the sunny day. And then you got great advice from your lawyer on the backside, which is be practical, be right. smart, figure a way out instead of paying the lawyers like yeah. more than you otherwise have to. It's hard from a small business perspective because, I mean, imagine you guys grew this together, right? You're friends and then something happens. Nobody thinks that going sure. down the road. And I'm sure nobody thinks they're going to end up going bankrupt. And I'm sure nobody thinks they're going to end up getting a divorce. So when you start with an operating agreement, you're like, hey, everything's going to be fine, right? right? And even so, I really thought we all put in, and this is a crazy, I mean, I think I put in $2,000 to start my business, which is <laughs> insane. So I tell people, you can nut and bolt it. You can MacGyver it, right? But I thought if you put $2,000 in, that meant everyone was equal partners. So everyone put $2,000 We're all equal partners. I didn't understand anything about sweat equity. I didn't understand about it doesn't have to be Mm money-based. And then fast forward, when we were going to dissolve the partnership, I basically ended up walking away from that business. But him telling me, you know, do you want to be right? And I was like, yes, I want to be right. Like this is, I felt somebody was stealing from me, as did they, right? And so, but he did say, he's like, six months from now, you're going to be so happy. And I honestly tell you that from that time and maybe 2012, so it's been a decade, we have 10 times the business growth. Right. So The operating agreement, you know, people call it an operating agreement, but we've talked about how it's really a separation agreement. This is an agreement because how are you going to operate? You guys already have that settled. You knew it. You were doing it. You didn't need something in writing. This writing is really what happens in the future when we're going to separate. And if you agree to it in advance, then there's no need for tension or conflict at that time. There's always going to be tension and conflict, Mm -hmm. but that lightens it. And the other thing is, I think you were starting to say this, is many great successes are born out of failure. Mm -hmm. Not that it's necessarily a failure, but the termination of that partnership was the birth of a new, you know, a new entity for you. For sure. So how'd you figure it out, right? Because you're on your own. You start your first business, like you said, not having... Any Any clue, any idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Jeff and I would agree that when we first started each our own law firms and then together, clearly we didn't have 
a lot of ideas Mm -hmm. around the best way to operate a business. We've always talked about how we've made mistakes along the way, but you know, how did you figure it out on your own? What did you do? So we're similar in the sense that we came both to business from, we're the technicians in the business, right? right? right. So we are the product, right? right? So I was a physical therapist and a Pilates instructor. And I don't know if you've ever read the book, The E-Myth. It's a great book for service-based business owners. Mm -hmm. And they base he basically says you have an entrepreneurial seizure one day and decide you're gonna open your business. (laughs) And that's basically what we did. And so I will say that as a generation X kid, as we all are here, you know, we I was taught just figure it out. That's what we were taught growing up, figure it out. And so I knew that I would figure it out. And I always it was always so interesting to me that people are like, oh, I don't want to sign more than a year lease because what if it doesn't work? I'm like, you're going to give up in six months? That's insane. Right. How do you give up in six months, right? And so I was like, I'm in it at least for five years, right? right. At least I'm going to try. And so I was, I knew that I had the work ethic and the resilience to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, and I also knew that I was a good technician. So I was a great therapist. I can say that now. At the time, I don't think I could say that. But now I can say that. And I had contacts and referrals. So I knew that. And then I just started being, it's kind of how I look at my business as a physical therapist. If you came to me with back pain, it's like a puzzle to me. How can Mm -hmm. I figure this out? Where is it actually coming from? That's how I approach business. So this is going well. How can I do more of this? This is not going well. How do we do less of that or how do we change it? I did know that I did not want to work 80 hours when I started my business. I had two small children and I knew that I did not want the business to be myself because I knew that the idea in my head, even back then, was to create something that I could eventually generate revenue from and income and salary by working less or maybe not at all, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's kind of how I started putting the plans in motions. I always knew I wanted to have team. So that's, I started hiring right from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many parallels in your business and ours. Yeah. The story you just told is almost exactly the same as mine. I was like, I knew I was a good lawyer. I had some contacts. I figured I could just figure it out. And I also wanted to start building a team immediately. I hired someone almost immediately when I started the firm. And it's just so many parallels. I mean, it's the same, right? And obviously... From a professional services perspective, right, which we're both in that, all of us are in the same business in that category anyway, you have to be really good at what you do first, at least good to the, at that level wherever you are and have that reputation because that's how the business is going to come in, right? You're going to sell that because you are the business and then you have to figure out along the way, okay, how do I build this thing? How do I scale it? How Beyond do I scale myself? it? How do yeah, I build it? How do I... in the air. Make mm-hmm. it sustaining. One of the words you used was sustainable, right? How do I figure out to make this a sustainable business that can run without me at some point, mm-hmm. partially or fully, mm-hmm. you know? And so what are some of the resources that you use that tap? Like, I agree with you. And this is some of the th- stuff we talk about to instilling in our kids is figure it out, right? You got to just figure out. You got to grind. You got to make mistakes. You got to figure it out. But along the way, I know that you have found, as, as we have, helpful resources, whether it's books, whether it's self-help in terms of going online, whether it's going to seminars, things like that. So what are some of the things that you've that stand out to you as you remember like, oh, that was super helpful? Well, the very first thing I ever did was I had a client, unbeknownst to me, that was a very successful entrepreneur and had sold his business for 
hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And when I found out, he mentioned it one day in passing. I don't know if you remember. I think they were still around when we had kids. Those like baby on board signs and all mm-hmm. that stuff and sure. that whole line of sure. baby care. So that was him. And he mm-hmm. sold that business. Mm-hmm. And he was one of my clients. He came a couple times a week. And so one day I said, do you think you'd mind looking over my books with me? I'm really interested in how I could, I don't, think I'm doing the right things to make profit. And I thought he was going to be like, yeah, no way. And he was like, absolutely. I would absolutely do. So we met at Lagores Country Club, which to me was like big fancy country club. We're going to to lunch there. And he couldn't have been nicer. And of course, I got my P&L and my QuickBooks ready. He was super impressed that I even had QuickBooks. And he's like, you did a really great job. And he looked through everything. And his biggest thing was you just didn't put enough capital in. And when we go back to that point that I was like, I started with $2,000. So basically for four of us, eight grand. He's like, you just didn't put enough capital in. And that's why you feel like you're suffocating. Those those feelings when you don't know if you're going to make payroll are really hard because these people are relying on you. And from that moment, I recognize that people will help you. If you ask them, people will help you. If you go with pure motives, right? Mm -hmm. You have pure motives. They have pure motives. And nobody wants anything from anybody Mm -hmm. other than to absorb the knowledge, right? Exactly. And he was very helpful. And it was amazing to me, just that little point. Yeah. You need more capital. And that's what we did. Yeah. And all you have to do is ask. Is ask. It's really that simple. Most people are willing to help. People want to help. I mean, this is like conversation we're all having with our kids, I'm sure, because I'm always like, just ask. Ask. Mm -hmm. If you just ask, people are willing to help. And and nobody should have to, you don't have to go it alone. You never have to go it alone, no matter what it is you're doing. And the worst, I mean, the what's the worst? That's what I tell my kids too. What's the worst that will happen? They'll say no. And what are they saying right now? They're going to say no, no, and they're flattered. Typically, they're flattered. You ask them because you thought enough of them to ask that they have the knowledge and wisdom. And so if they can't do it for whatever reason, no one's ever offended that you helped them. Right. To, I can't and believe even if they are, even if there's somebody that you're like, that was really nasty, you're not getting any help now by not asking. Right, exactly. Right? It's like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Same, right. same idea. Right. So I used to be that way when I was asking for reviews mm-hmm. or starting my podcast where I was like, oh, right. what? who's going to listen to me? Jabber on. Right. But somebody said to me, well, how many people are listening now? And I said, no, because right. I'm not doing it. And he's like, so how, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to be no different <laughs> right. than you are right now. And you'll yeah. be able to just speak your mind. Right. right. You're going to be no different. So I, I started I, asking for help. Yeah. I think the common thought is that asking for help is a sign of weakness, Correct. but it's actually a sign of strength and courage. I thought that right. a lot too. Yeah. I had those own sure. thoughts in my head. Well, if I start asking for help, people everyone's going to know I don't know what right. I'm doing. My, my staff's going to leave. That What does that mean about me? I'm such a fraud. And I was like, finally, you know, I also, again, Generation X, people pleasing, perfectionism, all that stuff that comes with growing up with your parents just telling you to figure it out, right? External validation. So all of that stuff, by the way, in my journey to get to where I am today in business, Mm -hmm. I had to overcome. I had to work through those issues because, by the way, you'll continue to hit your head against the wall if those are the things you are working through, right? Like being yeah. vulnerable is a very, I would used to say to people all the time, I'd rather stab myself in the fore, in the face with a fork than be vulnerable in front mm. of people. And That's a little violent. It was very just, violent, just, but that, that was, was how bad <laughs> I felt about it. I had a visceral reaction to yeah. it. People asking me to share and I was like, 
yeah, no, mm -mm. let's just, let's get to the point. Let's move on. And I think it's one of the reasons I've been successful as a founder is I can take some of the emotion out of it. The other thing I think that's important for people that are practitioners or Mm -hmm. like, or the business is to, yeah, yeah, the providers as they're going into business, you have to look at your business as a business. If you want that for your business, you know, if you want to be an attorney that works out of their home and takes a couple of cases, like that's great. If you mm-hmm. want to be a Pilates instructor that has a home studio or rents some space and has a couple of clients, that's awesome. You're still a business owner, sure, right. but I wanted my business to be more than me, right. more than myself. And I needed to be able to look at that then like a business. Mm-hmm. And so I like to equate, I didn't make this up. I heard this somewhere on a podcast, but I like to equate business as like an airplane. Because the analogy was, or metaphor, I don't know. I didn't. The both. Both. Metaphor is an analogy, but. Yeah, okay, yeah, thank yeah. you. Without like. Right. Exactly. Whichever one it is. Think of the picture yeah. of an airplane. So I like to think as ourselves as the leaders and your executive team are the cockpit. So those are the people that are sitting up front, they're flying the plane. Operations is basically the belly of the plane. The biggest part, usually your biggest overhead, especially if you're a brick and mortar location. Mm-hmm. You got your wings that are, you know, you got one engine, this sales, your other engine is marketing, your wings are your product, right? And so every piece has to be level in order for the plane to fly. So if you're too top heavy, if there's too much in the cockpit, your nose dive, right? If you're too, you know, top heavy with costs or ego for that matter. If, you know, if your sales is good, but your marketing isn't, you're going to lean sideways. If your Mm -hmm. operations, Mm -hmm. right, gets too, too heavy, they're going to, you're plane's not going to be able to take off. So having that analogy, I think for people really makes people understand there has to be sales and marketing. Even in a law firm, there's gaining clients, right? And people think sales is different, is a dirty word, but I think sales is actually giving. It's not getting. You are giving of yourself and your service to someone. So selling is serving your clients rather than taking from. And I think the really important, like you said before, is sustainable. And that did not come right out of the gate. So that did not come till later when things started growing and the belly of the plane started getting really, really heavy. And I felt like it was dragging me down with it until I realized, yeah, you created a business that was all around you and that is not sustainable. It's not. So was there an aha moment or is this just an evolution over your journey? There was an aha moment when we were having a staff meeting. And well, one of the aha moments, it's kind of started with this whole thing that a staff member was trying to get the rest of the team to bring a lawsuit against me for misclassification mm-hmm. of employees, mm-hmm, employee mm-hmm. versus contractor. Mm-hmm. So one of my staff members actually told me about it. And the truth is at that time, I just didn't love conflict. And I dug my head in the sand. I knew something was going on and I wasn't strong enough to sit in the discomfort of what it was going to take to handle the situation. And I just realized that I thought it'll just go away on its own, which it did not. Hence, we had to go through a huge HR overhaul, which was great. I'm super happy that we did it. But at the time when we did a 360 review, I got a lot of feedback of people thinking that I was selfish and hypocritical and an egomaniac and a micromanager. And it was really hard to listen to. And it was really hard to not tell everyone to F off because I felt like I was working my butt off to help all these people. But what I recognized was 
I created this. I created this system. And I remember, I don't know if I called you about it, but I remember calling someone and I was like, what do I have to do to sell my business? I'm out. I'm mm-hmm. out. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. I can't handle this. And then when I was done crying, I pulled my big girl <laughs> pants up and I said, the people that have to change, and I think business owners do this a lot, they're not good at their job. They are not meeting expectations. Mm-hmm. They are making my life harder. But we have to put ourselves a call sometimes and recognize, well, what role did I play in that? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And that's when that was the aha moment. And I said, I have two choices. I can either go on like this and be miserable and be a bear. And I was a bear. I was awful at home. I was awful because I'd have my thumbprint on everything that happened Mm. in the business. But I created that. I created that. And so I said, I'm going to change. And the business is going to change from the inside out. And so Three things happen. I joined an executive coaching program, the EOS program, which is all on traction. Yes. Traction's a great book by Gina Wickman, Rocket Fuel, or Get a Grip. I hired a COO, which is my very, well, not my first, but my first big non-revenue generating yeah. <laughs> salary, which mm-hmm. was huge. And I started going to therapy. Those are the three things. <laughs> not that, physical therapy. Not physical therapy, exactly. mental health therapy. Yeah. I started seeing a therapist and... I recognized that one, I had to learn to be less reactive about things. I had to learn not to take things very personally. I had to learn how to communicate better as a leader. And one of the things I recognized was my communication style was not ideal probably for managing a lot of people. And I kind of call it the founder's paradox because we are thinking five, 10, 15 steps ahead. And so it was really hard for me to sit in the moment with people. And I recognized my communication was very abrupt. I was just like, like very matter of fact, I don't have time. People were crying. I was very uncomfortable. I was like, how fast can I get out of this room right now? You're making me very uncomfortable. And in therapy, not to go down that rabbit hole, but I recognize why I had those reactions, right? And I recognize how I could sit in them. And I also recognize maybe I should hire somebody to be in that role, to be the buffer between myself and the staff. Mm -hmm. And so what was that, 2018? What are we, five years later? Five years, yeah. I have a completely... Nothing happened in between those five years at all. Though. Well, yeah, nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's really, I think it's serendipity. I really do. Sure. I think because I had put that in place, mm-hmm. two years later, we were able to maintain financial solvency and we were able to remain solvent and had our doors open when we were able to reopen. And we just, at the end of 2022, we are 100% debt-free That's awesome. from... The C word, and we're moving forward. We're profitable. We were profitable in 2022. We're back up to 2019 numbers. And I'm happy to say, I, as an owner, am in a very different place and super happy. That's fantastic. Wow. I have so many. I was, I should have taken notes, but (laughs) I I wanted to start with the beginning of that, which was you mentioned you did a 360 degree review. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure everyone knows what that is. So you want to just explain what that is and how you came to the conclusion to do that? Well, so, and since then, I have different opinions on a 360 review. So, a 360 review basically means 360 degrees. So, all the way around. So, you're asking your team to review everything in the business. Everything, correct. Up and down. Including you as a leader, yeah. Especially myself as a leader. Mm -hmm. And they're anonymous. I make them anonymous because who wants to give? And there were, you know, I asked questions like, Do you feel you have all the resources you need to do your job properly? Do you feel you are rewarded? Do you feel you're listened to? How well do you think management, and by by management, that was me, is approachable? There were very interesting things. And my feeling with a 360-degree review now is 
I still will take them with a grain of salt the same way I take reviews from customers because I still don't believe everyone will be 100% honest honest because even if they are anonymous, especially in a small business, the fear of retribution or... There and I don't think some people can articulate what they feel right. sometimes, right. right? But but you also, if you hear, you know, one person makes a comment, you know, it may not mean something. But if the same comment comes up five times, okay, maybe this is an issue. Yeah, there's you know? consistency across, right. yeah. And there was one employee in particular who not only said it in the 360 review, but then we had kind of a situation shortly after that where she verbalized it in front of a lot of people. Mm. And it took all of my energy not to just say, get the hell out of here. But I remember crying in my car that day and saying, I'm done. I can't believe this. And I took a picture of myself because I was like, I don't want to forget this moment. I didn't end up firing her. And to this day, I actually thank her for having the courage to say something to me because it it made me recognize, even if I didn't feel that way, that I was doing something that was instilling these feelings in other people. And I had to change that. Well, kudos to you for having the strength and the foresight to be able to do that because there's a lot of business leaders that wouldn't be able to do that. And it's hard. It's hard for us. We've done some reviews. We've asked for anonymous reviews of us as leaders. We've asked for sometimes non-anonymous reviews. And sometimes it comes back and you have to sit there and sit in the discomfort and accept it, right? Because after all, we're the leaders. We're in the cockpit, as you said. But that's not easy to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And you have to have the confidence in yourself to be able to kind of do that, right? Yeah. It's not easy listening to bad things about you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But as a leader, if you create an environment that suggests that of trust where you can have an intentional conflict like that in a healthy manner, then, you know, that's one of the keys to, you know, successful organizations. Correct. Healthy and honest communication. Right. And we're going back to the culture word, right? Which we throw around a lot and a lot of businesses throw around the culture word, but that's part of building the culture, right? Mm -hmm. Which is having that, the ability for people to speak their mind in one way or another, and to feel comfortable in that regard. Yeah, and it's hard for me because I I believe that I'm right in everything. And so <laughs> I've learned. See, it's funny. Learned. That's the difference between you and me. I don't believe I'm right. I know I, I'm right. I, I, I'm so, like, I'm right. Yeah. This is, I'm just going right. to do it my right. way. Exactly. And this is how it is. Exactly. And so it's been hard. But I do believe that in a lot of books, they say it all the time, like lack of trust or not lack of control, but too much control stifles innovation. And without innovation, yeah. your business won't. Go anywhere, yeah. really. Well, that's the idea. When you when you scale, you want to bring in more members of the team, right? They have different perspectives to bring to whatever the issue is, right? Where, however, maybe they their schooling, their life lessons that they've learned growing up or in work, and they're going to bring some different views than you may have. Which I know, again, I you know probably very similar. I would say, well, I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But I've evolved and to listen. And we always say, listen, bring it all and let's listen. And we will always look and say, yeah, maybe that's not thank you. But, you know, we're not going to use that perspective today. And thank you. Yes. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's implement that. You know, so even when, as I always tell my kids, listen, if, if somebody's offering you advice or offering you information, listen to it. You can always reject it, but yeah. that's also a lesson. And you may learn in hearing something from somebody and rejecting it, that could be something to learn. You know, that's a lesson as well. You know, like, oh, no, okay, I see why that's not a good idea for what we want to do. Right. You know, so. Right. Yeah. That's why you have two ears and one mouth. Brett yeah. says that all the time. Are you guys <laughs> been hanging out together? What's yeah, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, I, I say that all the time. I say it to my kids all the time. And I say it to a lot of people around here. 
especially in what I know what you do, you have to listen as well, not only in running the business, but to your clientele. But man, that's a huge percentage of what we do. You got to listen. And unfortunately, there's a lot of lawyers that just want to talk all the time. Mm -hmm. They don't listen, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're missing a lot. Yeah, that was a challenge for me. I'm a talker. And I'm not comfortable in the silence, which is why I used mm-hmm. to have a hard time with yoga and everything. So I try to think of breathing a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm really uncomfortable in an uncomfortable conversation. So I tend to diary of the mouth. I just keep going and going and going and going. And, and You're a great deponent. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> that's a skill we teach in depositions, right? Just keep you going. You've got to be comfortable with the silence. Yeah. No, no, the, the, the opposite. Yeah, oh, the you lawyer. have to be comfortable with the silence. Just yeah. sit right. there. I am. It's really right. hard for me, but I've been, you know, listen, when you're starting to learn something, we're a novice at everything. And if we gave yeah. up every time something was uncomfortable for us, we'd yeah. probably never learn how to ride a bike. We'd, right. you know, so never learn how to ski, all of that stuff. Well, and you'd never open a business. You'd never well, you hire open, more people. You might open one. But you'd you never hire more people. Right. You wouldn't have two studios. You wouldn't have, I mean, all of the stuff that goes along with that, right? And then having the social media and now having the coaching business, you know, you have to be open and like you said, vulnerable is key. I mean, you've got to be vulnerable, right? At some level, whatever that, Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but whatever comfort level you have to be vulnerable, it's very important to be able to listen to that. I and mean, the fact that you've come to that is, is fantastic. And I know that the people that work for you are happy about that, I'm sure. Hopefully. Who knows? Yeah. It's amazing how the journey has so many parallels in the service yeah. business. You know, you're physical yeah. therapy and we're mental therapy. Well, that's why I, I think that there's, pocket, I mean, pocket. we we have a lot What's of mental financial, financial therapy. Financial we have a lot exactly. of mental therapy too. Right. Sometimes we listen, yeah, sure. we listen to our patients uh, and yeah. maybe they spent two minutes with a doctor, yeah. right? But I think that that's why it's so important. And some of the business mentorship programs I've been in have not just been health and wellness related. They've been all different industries because right. I think we all share very similar, yeah. you know, experiences. And I can learn something from what your journey in business, right? Mm-hmm. And I think people, I used to think nobody, you know, the thought probably five, six, seven years ago of coming to sit to do a podcast in an attorney's firm would have, ne- I would have said, no way, what do I have to contribute? Right. But, and now I realize, no, I've, my journey in business, growing mm-hmm. staff and, and all of that stuff is, I can contribute to the conversation. That's another thing, like leveling up in your confidence yeah. is, huge is a really, really big thing. It's also helped me when we talk about pricing and sale value and value proposition. I no longer feel like I'm convincing people. I no longer feel the need to convince people. Mm -hmm. I know that what I provide is valuable, whether it's in mentorship or therapy. And I know if, if I know that I can help you, I'm very confident in that. And I say, this is what my, the options are to work with me. And if you're on board, I'd love to work with you. And if you're not comfortable right now and you need to some time, no problem. Let me know when you're available. And if I don't think I'm the right person to work with you, then I will tell you that. And mm-hmm. I will probably refer you to someone who I think right. is better suited to handle yeah. your situation. It's the same thing with clients. Some people come in to us as a Pilates studio, and I right away recognize that that's not who our ideal customer is who are they're not going to be happy here and I'm not going to try to convince them to stay instead I'm going to refer them to a place that they are going to be happy there's plenty of business to go around and maybe that person one day says you know what 
I did go to the studio one time. It really wasn't for me, but I think it would be perfect for you. Right. And that's how I choose to market and sell my business more by building relationships. Mm. Yeah. It's very, yeah. It's exactly the same way. It's the same thing we're doing. It's the same. And oftentimes, yeah, we're referring clients to other places Mm -hmm. that, you know, we can do it, but you can, there's a better home for you somewhere Mm -hmm. else. And And we're always going to help somebody find it. We're not going to say, bye-bye, good luck to you. You know, always. Yeah. And so to sort of bring it back a little bit full circle, which is if there are entrepreneurs out there that are listening to this podcast or an entrepreneur listening to this podcast. There are entrepreneurs there are, listening to this podcast. More there's more there, than there one. There are more. There is more than one. Um, if there are and they're sitting there thinking to themselves, I don't know, do I need a coach? Do I not need a coach? I'm sure. Like what when people call you like or if they're thinking about it, you know, when should they or at what point? Right. Do they need a coach? From day one, not usually, because you need to figure some stuff out on your own. But Well, here's what I will say about that. And I don't know how it is after you take the bar, but I do know as a physical therapist, Mm -hmm. we are required to take continuing education credits every two years. We renew our license every two years on odd years in Florida. So this year, we have to renew our license. So we're always trying to get better at our skill, Right. right, as being a technician. So why do people think it's not the same to learn how to be a better business owner, right? And by better, it could be whatever that is for you right now. We are not taught in our schooling, and I don't believe it's taught in law school. It, it is It's not. definitely not taught in medical school. Business? It's, yeah, you're not taught business. I mean, I think I took a course that was like, these are fixed costs, these are variable costs, and that was the extent of that. And well, I was, was like- way more advanced in law. Okay. They didn't, we didn't even talk <laughs> so, about that in law school. That's it, like seriously. So I would say, as soon as you know that this is what you're going to do, mm-hmm. why don't you- ask some questions, Mm -hmm. seek some help. Nobody gets, first of all, nobody is an overnight success. That is a fallacy. Mm -hmm. And number two, that old cliche of it takes a village, it does. And asking for help is the smartest thing you can do rather than like going through the dark on some things. Now, the one thing I will say when finding a coach, and if you look at our kids have coach coaches when they're young playing sports, right? Professional athletes have coaches. Professional athletes have several coaches, right. right? They have me as a physical therapist. They have me as a Pilates instructor. They have a personal trainer. They have a, a strength and conditioning coach. They have a nutritionist. Right. So there's lots of people. Mm-hmm. And find someone, I always say, find someone that is where you want to go or has the roadmap to help you get there, right? Just because they have a ton of followers doesn't mean a lot of things, right? Because social media is a fallacy. Yeah. Speak to maybe people that they've worked with. Do they resonate with you? Like on my podcast, that's who I am. I'm throwing F-bomb from time to time. I'm very transparent. I'm... We don't curse around here. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. Not at all. Not on the air. Not on the air. <laughs> that's right. Bleep. Um, so I'm, that's just who I am. And yeah. I will attract people that want to work with that. And I will detract people that don't. And that's fine because I also believe that knowing who you do not want to work with is just as powerful or not want to work with, but who's not the right fit for you. Yeah. And there's coaches in every price range. There's coats, short, like small programs. There's mentorships right. that cost coach, tens of thousands of dollars. Right. We're using the term coach, but that could have a lot of Mentor could have a lot of things. Mentor, right. coach, some right. guide, right. help, somebody to help you. Yeah, yeah, somebody to help you. And sometimes there are community groups, right? Right. Don't be afraid to ask the question because most likely if you have the question, several other people have that same question. So I would explore within your first couple years of doing business. We have people in our mentorship programs that are just starting out. 
And our goal is to get them to six figures in their first year, which is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it could be a mentor, like you said, somebody who you connect with or get introduced to or Mm -hmm. meet that was a successful entrepreneur. And that could be somebody you reach out to like you did that could act as a mentor to you. It's not somebody always that you have to call it a coach or, you know, depending on where you are. And listen, here's the other thing. Don't be afraid to pay for it, friends. Don't be afraid to pay for it. Because, you know, I understand that when you, even if you want, I paid, I think, $600 just for a coaching call with someone because one, I didn't want to go through the program. I just wanted my specific questions answered. And I was willing to pay for that because you know what? If I, parts, some of my packages, for example, in my studio cost $1,500. So if I'm not willing to pay $600 to get the benefit of somebody else's knowledge, how can I turn around and ask someone to pay me $1,500 for my knowledge? There is a universal block with that. And whether you believe in this woo-woo or not, you are butting your head up against something that you're not willing to pay out $600 to receive $1,500. And so don't be afraid. You can ask, but don't be afraid to say, hey, I would love to book an hour of your time. Yeah, right. What well, will that don't investment be? Don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Invest okay. in yourself. You got to bet on yourself. You got to invest on yourself. And it's, and yeah. it's kind of like to take it back to the physical therapy, you know, analogy. It's not, you don't have to only do physical therapy when you're injured. Correct. You know? It's a yes. better idea to do it before you're injured and then maybe you prevent the injury. So Mitigate. it's the same kind of thing. Coaching, mentorship. It doesn't have to be a product or a byproduct of some failure or something like that. Because sure. people tend to only want to seek help when they're hurt or when there's yeah. some problem. But well, it's very reactive, right? right. It's very That's reactive. On everything. Yeah. Right. And if you think about maybe you get help as you're hiring and onboarding, right? Mm-hmm. That could save you tens of thousands oh, of yeah. dollars. You know the cost. Oh, yeah, do you know the yeah. cost of what it's like to like have a turnover? Turnover oh, yeah. costs a lot of money. A People lot. don't recognize that. So right. if you can pay someone a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars to help you with this onboarding process, to give you the right expectations, to give you the right forms and documents yeah. and onboarding, it could save you tens of thousands of dollars down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And stress and energy, which you can't put a price tag on. So two lessons for today. One. Two. Uh, I'd say at two, least two. two yeah. Well, two, <laughs> two, big two big lessons. Go ahead. One, hire, go to Krista's Pilates or physical therapy oh, studio, sure. yeah. even if you're not feeling any pain. That's yeah. good. And go, we do telehealth too. You can come to us from all over the all world. Over. And nice. two, if you are an entrepreneur thinking about being an entrepreneur, reach out to Krista as right. a coach and right. a mentor because man, she just, she knows what she's doing. She got it sure, right. Sure. And don't be afraid to ask for help ever. Well, okay. So number three, whoever you are, so you're, wherever you are, whoever you are, don't, don't, be, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. good. Three bullet points from that. I love yeah. it. Yeah. If you didn't like this podcast, then stop listening to our podcast. <laughs> but if you did like this, this podcast, is not for you. Please follow us. If you listen on Apple, give us a review. It will help other listeners find us. And please share the show with your friends and family. And you can find Krista's information in the show notes. Krista, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. That was an awesome conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Nelson. Thank you, Brett. No, thank you, Jeff. Nelson, you're welcome. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.